Hey there, movie fans. It's time for a brand new episode of Collider Videos for your consideration. The best and the most fun award season conversation you will find anywhere in the universe. Now, we're into March, but believe it or not, we are still a month and a half away from the Oscars, which are on April 25th, the latest they've been in a very, very, very long time for obvious reasons. But there's still a lot of exciting news to report today. Plus, this is our last show we're doing before the big day, the most exciting time you will ever have getting up at four in the morning, which is on Monday, March 15th, which is the Oscar nominations. On this show, we're going to start off with our picks for best picture to coincide along with the Producer Guild nominations. And joining me, as always, the best co-pilots you could possibly have during award season, starting with my favorite cat person in the world, the amazing Perry Nemirov. How excited are you as things get rolling along during award season, Perry? I am so excited with that intro. I wish I had a Dewey to show off, but uh -huh. started, I've started putting his cat bed in the dryer and now he won't get out of his nice warm bed. So I can't help you there. Uh, I, I don't blame Dewey, and uh, that sounds like a really cozy bed. And also joining us, of course, is my favorite contrarian, the mighty Jeff Snyder. Jeff, how excited are you to really get into it with another amazing conversation here on Collider FYC? I'm always excited to talk awards with the two of you. Well, the feeling is so mutual. So let's get right into it with the announcement this morning, or this week rather, of the Producers Guild Awards for Best Picture. And Perry, would you like to do the honors and name those movies? Sure, why not? We have Borat, Subsequent Movie Film, Judas and the Black Messiah, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, One Night in Miami, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and the trial of the Chicago Seven. Every time someone says Sound of Metal, I expect them to say Sound of Music, two very different movies. But of course, I think the biggest, uh, the biggest inclusion here is that of Borat too, Borat's subsequent movie film. Now, the first question I have for both of you, starting with you, Jeff, is do you think that Borat too makes the cut for best picture at the Oscar nominations? Absolutely not. Um, I, I think it's mainly just because, you know, all season we're talking about 10 movies, 10 nominees. It's not going to be 10 movies or 10 nominees. It never is. And it almost mathematically could not be. So uh, I do not think that Borat is going to make it, but it makes sense that it would show up on the PGA Awards, given what the producers had to, you know, go through in, in a security for Borat and all these different shoots. And, and I mean, just, just the cultural ramifications that this ended up having last fall, uh, just before the election. I think the PGA nom w was well-deserved, but it also kind of spelled death for, uh, for, for News of the World a little bit. Because it's like, if News of the World can't get that PGA nom, is it really a lot for our Best Picture nomination? I don't know. Now, now you, what you just said about how it's not going to be 10 nominations, so the, the, the rule for this year is that it's up to 10 nominations. And I think, I think next year, it goes back to a firm 10 Best Picture nominations like we had 
for 2009 to 2010. But Perry, I want to ask you, what do you think about Borat's inclusion here? Do you think it makes the cut? I totally agree with Jeff on this matter. I think it's in there because of what it took to create a film like that and for the waves that it made when it came out. And I think it's very deserving of the PGA nomination, but I don't think it's getting that best picture nomination at the Oscars, but I will say given what's happened over the last few weeks in award season, bringing up news of the world, that's one that has fallen lower and lower on my list. And with it not getting the PGA nomination, it has officially fallen off my list entirely as far as best picture nominations go. Well, well, first, I, I agree with both of you about, about the merits of Borat's subsequent movie film to be nominated by the Producers Guild. I also agree with you for, for why it will probably not make the cut for Best Picture at the Oscar nominations. Now, if we were, if we were in a year where the Best Picture Oscar nominations were a firm 10 movies, I would think that especially after the PGA nom, that Borat 2 had a much, much better chance, even over News of the World. But because we're, we're up to 10, and this could be just maybe eight Best Picture nominees, maybe nine if we're lucky, that Borat does not make it. But with that, let's now start here with the movies that we know are the sure things, the movies that were nominated for the Producers Guild that will absolutely, positively, definitely get nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. I'm going to start with the easiest pick of all here, which of course is Nomadland, which just won a Best Picture at the Critics' Choice Awards. You know, they're a good predictor of the Oscars, but I think that 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 was uh, uh, interesting. Not that that always matters because last year they picked 1917 and Best Picture went to uh, uh, Parasite. So uh, are we in agreement here? Okay. Lock it in. Lock it in, man. Lock, lock it in. All right, Jeff, why don't you take the next movie? What's getting in no, no matter what? I think the trial of Chicago 7 is going to get in for sure. Perry, I'm assuming you will agree on that. I will very much agree on that. I actually have Trial of the Chicago 7 at number two right now. So I think it's second most likely to win. And I have it at number two, too. <laughs> All right. Uh, then, Perry, why don't you take number three? What gets in? My number three is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Uh, I have that down at number eight, but it is on my list. Jeff, where does Ma Rainey rank on your list? Uh, in the last Gurus of Gold updates, I had it at five. Okay, five. Wow. Okay, wow. I have it down pretty low, but it is on my list. Just saying. So, Perry, you had it number three. Jeff, five. Me, eight. Ma Rainey makes it. Okay, my number three here is Minari. I feel like Minari has just really been picking up a whole lot of steam, as it deserves to. But uh, I think Minari is just like a, a slam dunk for a Best Picture nomination. Perry, where do you rank Minari on your list? Just a notch behind you. Minari is my number four. I want to add something about the value of award season speeches. Because if you watch the Critics' Choice Awards and you saw the young star of Minari deliver his speech, was Minari not trending after that happened? Was it not a hot topic? I'm just saying when things like that happen, even if the voting bodies are not the same whatsoever, 
it still gets the names and the people and everything out there. And it could influence how the rest of the season goes. I, I agree with you completely. I think for everyone watching the Critics' Choice Awards, that was definitely the highlight. The fact that it was trending that night and the next morning and the fact that all of the trade websites picked it up as the defining moment of the Critics' Choice Awards. I think you're right. I think that the fact that that was the standout and the film is already beloved in that respect, but that it happened while voters were still voting because I think voting closes for the nominations today. The day we're recording, yes. Yeah, the day we're recording, which is Tuesday, uh, March 9th. Jeff, uh, Minari, where is it on your list? I also had it at four. And uh, while I understand that the Alan S. Kim you know, uh, TV shot was a nice boost of, of PR. I, the, the thing that really has really stayed with me is just that story about how Lee Isaac Chung was ready to give up filmmaking. And he went to that coffee shop where he, he's done all of his work for the past, you know, however long and sat down to just write something completely different that was for him. That's a story that I think will endure over the next couple months or the next six weeks. Absolutely a great point. So, so Perry, your number five is? Judas and the Black Messiah. Judas and the Black Messiah. That's, that's one that I think is currently on the rise. Again, yeah, I, think I, I think I brought this up the last time we, we spoke. Sometimes, you know, YouTube views don't really tell you all the answers. But when I post reviews on my channel, sometimes I look at the views just to get a better sense of how many people are really watching something. And when the views on that particular review shot up more so than other ones, it was just giving me the feeling that, yeah, a lot of people out there are really seeing that movie and that it being released later in the season is going to wind up helping it out. I completely agree. And I also have to say that it's a movie that that is better with repeated viewings. I liked it more the second time I saw it. Jeff, where does Judas and the Black Messiah land on your list? Is it even on your list? It was not on my list. Um, I do think that it is rising. It seems a little high to put it in the five spot. Uh, I put I had one night in Miami in my three spot. So I, I still think that Regina King's film with those four performances have a better chance than Judas and the Black Messiah, which strikes me as a bit more divisive. But I do acknowledge that it, that it is definitely gaining that momentum at the right time. I, I have them going in the opposite direction, <laughs> trend-wise. So, so, so Jeff, what you're saying is that, that Judas and the Black Messiah was not on your, your list of 10 movies to get nominated? No, it was not. Okay. All right. Well, while we're on the subject, we'll come back to Judas in a second, but One Night Miami was on my list. I had One Night Miami at number five. Jeff, you had it at number what? Three. Three. And Perry, where do you rank One Night Miami? Seven. Seven. Okay. So One Night Miami is on our list. We all agree on that. Now, my number four movie was Promising a Woman. That's my number six. Six as well. Okay, great. So our Promising Young Woman makes our cut. Wow, Judas and the Black Messiah. Mm, not a three-way uh, agreement here. All right, what about a movie that we have talked many times about here on Collider FYC, the point where most of the comments we get on YouTube are, how can you not like this movie? Is Mank, is Mank on your list of 10 movies? It's at number eight for me. And I was I was this close to just being stubborn about it, not including it at all, because I think there are more deserving films. But 
I really I, I think there's a, ch- a good chance it's going to get the nomination. But I would say my seven and above are the ones that I would consider close to sure things. I agree with you that there are other films that are more deserving. But since we are we're trying to predict what is going to get nominated, that uh, Mank makes it for me too. Mank is actually number six for that reason, because I feel like there is a, obviously a big push behind it, especially after the Producers Guild nominations and the Directors Guild, which we'll get to. Jeff, where do you put Mank on your list? I have it at seven on the strength of its Guild support. Uh, I do think it's a total also ran. And if I had to choose one movie on this list that is absolutely not going to win Best Picture, that is the movie that I would choose. Uh, but I do think that it will manage to, to be in the, in the field. Okay, so, so we have seven movies that we definitely agree on. Nomadland, Trial of the Chicago 7, Minari, Promising Young Woman, One Night in Miami, Mank, and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. That leaves three slots still open. Perry, what do you think goes in at number eight? What, Mank was my number eight, but my number nine was The Father. Okay, The Father. Okay. Hmm. All right, Jeff, do you have the father on your list? I have the father at 10, but I, I do think that it is losing that momentum. I, I was just sort of banking on like BAFTA or a, the Euro contingent sort of lifting that one up. And uh, I'm just not sensing it. And again, it goes back to the fact, I don't think people have seen this movie. I still have not seen it. No one has offered me a screener about it. Yeah. Okay, well, I, the father for me is, it's it was not in my top 10. I feel like the bigger push for the father I'm just saying, I'm, and it should be because I love the movie, but I feel like the bigger push for the father is actually just for Anthony Hopkins. And I think he's no question he's going to get nominated. And in any other year where Chadwick Boseman was not nominated, Anthony Hopkins would win it for his King Lear like performance. So, so I would, I would be willing Scott to, to switch my 10 spot and put Judas on over the father. And that way we just get rid of the father. And now we have three people for Judas. Okay, so then, okay, so then we have eight movies that we agree on. The eighth one that we finally agree on here is Judas and the Black Messiah. Even though I have it at the 10 spot, yeah. Okay, most likely we're going to get eight movies nominated for Best Picture, maybe nine, not 10. But if we were going to nominate 10, that means we still have two slots open. So question is, The Sound of Metal was the movie that I have at number nine. Do you have it? On your, oh, you have it at number nine as well, Jeff? Yes. Harry shaking her head, no. I, if I had an 11 spot, I would give that to Sound of Metal. So what, what are the other films on your list that could go into the number nine or number 10 slot uh, for, for Best Picture? The only other one that I have left is to Five Bloods. And I just think that the narrative around that one is going to wind up helping it in terms of the outrage regarding its snubs across the board at the Golden Globes, which I still think is absolutely egregious and absurd. But I do think that that team is really pounding the pavement right now. And maybe I'm just speaking after having had that interview with Delroy Lindo, but he spoke from the heart. I already loved the movie. I already loved his performance in it. And if they keep doing those kinds of conversations... I think they're going to make the most out of this campaigning period and maybe get that that last spot. Okay, well, the, you know, Borat 2, so was nominated for a Producers Guild. Even for 
for the Oscars, let's say they had a lot for 10 nominations, I still think it would be, it, it's, it's still just kind of on the cusp for a Best Picture nomination. So the movies that we're really talking about here to round out our 10 are Sound of Metal, The Five Bloods, The Father, and News of the World. So which of those four movies, which two of those four movies round out our list for Best Picture nominations? Jeff? I go Sound of Metal just because I thought it was the best movie of the year. And I think that I'm not alone in that. I think, I think it has a lot of support. It could benefit from being higher, like in those top three slots on a lot of ballots. And then the other one is News of the World, which I think is just an old fashioned picture. I think that the old straight white guy contingent of the Academy could carry that to a nomination. So those are the two that I would pick with the father and Defy Bloods on the outside looking in. I'm definitely with you on Sound of Metal. Perry, can you get behind Sound of Metal making our list? Yeah, I can get behind it. For for the record, my two picks there would have been The Father and The Five Bloods, but I also think that Sound of Metal has a, a very reasonable shot of getting that nomination. So that leaves us with The Five Bloods, The Father, and News of the World. So I'm not saying what do you think deserves to make it. What do you think will make it? I'm still going with The Five Bloods because... Again, the campaigns weigh heavily in these decisions, especially in the last days. And I just see a lot of talk about the movie right now. So I, I would lean towards that. That's ah, tough. Yeah, I got to go News of the World. I, I, I think the fact that it got a theatrical release that, that did a little bit of business, like what, what was it, like 12 million or something. The Five Bloods just feels like it came out so long ago. Uh, we're, all, we're already kind of taking care of Chadwick with, with Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I just, yeah, I'm not feeling it from The Five Bloods. See, I, I am feeling it for The Five Bloods over News of the World because of its prior snubs. And there's more conversation that it should have been nominated. And that should have been nominated conversation, especially when it comes to Delroy Lindo, is I think going to help push The Five Bloods into our 10. Do you really think Netflix can get four nominations though? Well, you're talking Delroy Lindo and Best Picture. What else? What else? No, I, mean, I, I mean, I mean, I mean, Trial of Chicago Seven, Mank, Ma Rainey. This is its fourth Best Picture contender. Yeah, I, I just have a yeah. hard time believing that that'll happen, especially uh, I, especially this year when streaming is weighing so heavily in our lives. And I guess like that, that's kind of the case going forward now too. When movies are on Netflix, it just makes them easier to watch than if you have to, you know, take your DVD of The Father and put it into your DVD player that's probably not even hooked up at this point. <laughs> Maybe but, I'm just speaking for myself. <laughs> but but I, I do have to say that it's not, first of all, yeah, I absolutely do see Netflix getting four potential Best Picture nominations here. And I think that with people watching movies at home because they had to, because theaters were shut down and because they couldn't go out because of COVID, I think people are seeing the streaming services as a salvation, as a savior. Thank God for those streaming services. I had all those TV shows and movies to binge on. So I feel like the sentiment towards, towards them, not just Netflix, but all of them have been like, Thank God those were there. They saved my they saved my hide over the last year. I had so much I was able to watch because of it, especially because of Netflix, because of because of these movies. I, I think the Five Bloods gets in over News of the World. I'm gonna side with Perry okay. on this. I'm outvoted there. Okay, so so there's our 10, our 10 best picture nominations for Collider FYC are Nomadland, Trial of the Chicago Seven. 
Minari, Promising Young Woman, One Night in Miami, Mank, Judas and the Black Messiah, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Sound of Metal, and The Five Bloods. So there's our Best Picture nominations. Now we move on to the Directors Guild nominations, and we're going to see how those impact our picks for Best Director Oscar nominations. Jeff, would you like to read the Directors Guild nominations? I think I know the five off the top of my head. So it is Chloe Zhao for Nomadland, Aaron Sorkin for The Trial of the Chicago Seven, David Fincher for Mank, Lee Isaac Chung for Minari, and Emerald Fennell for Promising Young Woman. All right, Perry, any snubs here? No, no snubs no, you, at all. You, you don't think that maybe Regina King was a snub, even though she no. was nominated for a first-time director for One Night in Miami. So she got I, something. Yeah, I think that ticks the box well enough to the, like at first when I was, when I was watching, you know, the tweets or hearing the nominations come out and they didn't announce her name in that category. I'm like, hmm, that's strange. But then I remembered that there's the first time category. And when her name pops up in that one and you have the opportunity to recognize more people for their great work, it all makes sense. Speaking of those first time director nominations, that's a separate category for the Directors Guild. You had Rada Blank for the 40 year old version, Fernando Freya de Para for I'm No Longer Here. Regina King for One Night in Miami, Darius Martyr for Sound of Metal, and Florian Zeller for The Father. But back to the Best Director, Director nominations. Jeff, are you cool with that list? Do you think that there were any snubs here? I am cool with that list. I do think that there is a big snub, but I also understand it. You know, I, I don't think David Fincher belongs on this list because I don't think Mank is a good movie, and I think it's definitely the worst thing Fincher's ever made. And I say that as, as a, a self, self-professed Fincher fanboy. I think, unfortunately, Darius Martyr is the guy who, who really gets snubbed here. I mean, I love what Regina King did with One, One Night in Miami, and I love what George C. Wolfe did with Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, but those are stage adaptations, and, and they feel... I don't know. There, there, there just seems um, to be maybe some bias uh, against that. It has nothing to do with, with race or anything. I think Darius Martyr made a beautiful film, but he's just up against the Netflix machine and, and the, the celebrity of Fincher and, and that thing. So uh, I, I can live with these five for sure. So, so some interesting notes about the Directors Guild nominations made history for a record two women nominated in the same year for a Directors Guild uh, nomination here. Before this year, only eight women have been nominated for a Director's Guild Award, including Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird, Barbara Streisand for The Prince of Tides, Sofia Coppola for Lost in Translation, and Catherine Bigelow for The Hurt Locker. Of the eight prior women who were nominated, only Catherine Bigelow went on to win Best Director at the Oscars. Now, the DGA nominees and the Oscar nominees for Best Director you would think that they go hand in hand, that they would those five would match between the DGA and the Oscars, but that hasn't happened for 11 years. So the question is, will this year be a year where there is not a match? And that goes back to our picks for Best Director, which were Lee Isaac Chung for Minari, Emerald Fennell for Promising Young Woman, Regina King for One Night Miami, Chloe Zhao for Nomadland, and Aaron Sorkin for The Trial of the Chicago 7. We had a whole conversation about, wait a minute, are we sure we're not going to nominate David Fincher for Best Director? So since we have a chance to change our minds and correct ourselves, 
do again, we are we are we have to pick what we think is going to get nominated, not what we think deserves to get nominated. So the question is, does David Fincher make the cut for best director Oscar nomination? And if he does, who who do we lose from our list from FYC? Perry. I am remaining stubborn on the matter. I'm not changing our list as far as my personal predictions go. I still think that Mank is going to get bumped out. And I think Regina King is going to fill that spot. My head thinks Fincher is getting in, but at the same time, I don't think he's ever been an Oscar darling. There's always something crazy that happens with the director category. And if so, even though I like these five DGA nominees, I think if there is something crazy that happens, it may very well be Fincher, who is, you know, the, the one singled out. I always felt like the social network was was one of the big mistakes in Oscar history that the social network lost best picture and best director to King's speech. I mean, social network is such a superior film. It's a masterpiece movie. It's the citizen Kane of the 21st century. And I, I say that because the movie is citizen Kane. It's a 21st century version of citizen Kane, but the Academy is also very different now than it was 10 years ago. Not in his favor. Yeah. Not in his favor. You're right there. The, the, the Academy membership has, more than doubled. There has been more diversity, more gender balance. So, and look, I think Regina King directed the heck out of One Night in Miami. It's a a film that I'm more than happy to watch again and again and again, where I have a hard time watching Mank again without, I hate to say it, losing interest. It just didn't hold my attention. And this is a film about the making of Citizen Kane. So uh, it breaks my heart to say that. But I am going to stick with our picks. Jeff? Yeah, let's let's stick with it. Let's, uh, <laughs> I'm down to gamble. All right. So that means we are sticking with our picks for Collider FYC and our Best Director nominees. We are going to go with having a record three women nominated for Best Director. And I hope to God that happens because those are all very, 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 very deserving Oscar nominations for Best Director. Now, before we, we get out of here with this episode of Collider FYC, Just want to do a quick run through of the acting nominations one last time, just to make sure we are good with those categories too. Now for supporting actor, we picked Chadwick Boseman for Defy Bloods, Sasha Baron Cohen for Trial of Chicago 7, Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and the Black Messiah, Leslie Odom Jr. for One Night in Miami, and Paul Racy for The Sound of Metal. Are we sticking with those five? think so. That's still my five. I'm great with those five as well. Supporting actress, we went with Maria Bakalova for Borat 2, Olivia Coleman for The Father, Amanda Seyfried for Mank, Yu Young Yoon for Minari, and Ellen Burstyn for Pieces of a Woman. Are we sticking with those five? Perry shaking her head. All right, Perry, take it away. I still have Amanda Seyfried in the mix here. I think she's going to wind up getting the nomination. But the one that I have who snuck in here over, I mean, the obvious one to eliminate at this point is Ellen Burstyn. I still think Vanessa Kirby's getting the nomination, but no one's talking about Pieces of a Woman. 
that is the only nomination that movie is likely to get. And this is one of those cases where I do think that a Golden Globes win might propel Jodie Foster into the conversation. She is now on my list. Wow. Wow. I thought you were going to say Glenn Close or Helena Zangle. No. Helena Zangle is not happening. That's like a a media fiction. Uh, I I think that Perry's read on the season with uh, the the heat that Judas is gaining, that could very well result in a Dominique Fishback surprise nomination. Uh, Although at this point, I will go with either Foster or Close. I do think that they have a better chance than than Dominique. Can I just hope you're right, though? I would love to see her get that nomination. You know what? Fishback could make it. I mean, there's always a surprise or two at the Oscar nominations. And and it's always going to be it's always somebody that people go, what? But that could be could be Fishback. So, Jeff. Still got to go Glenn Close. Ah, I, I, I think Oscar, I think they just they like big performances. I don't know how many people have seen the Mauritanian. You're right that they may penalize Glenn Close, who I thought was good in the movie. Uh, they may penalize her for just being a part of, of that film in general. But uh, as of right now, I think I want to go Glenn over Jody. So Jeff, you want to go with Glenn over Jody and Perry wants to go with Jody over Glenn. So that leads it to me to uh, be the deciding factor here. Tiebreaker. Tiebreaker. Who do they love more? Glenn Close always gets nominated, never wins. Jody Foster, when she's nominated, she wins. So that's why I'm going with Jodie Foster. Okay. I'll also say when you want to, like this was one of the hardest categories for me to rank at this point. Like at this point in time, I really think that if these five that we just named are all getting nominations, it's anyone's game to win it. Do, do we think that the other four are actual locks? Is there any universe in which Glenn and Jody get it and there's a big surprise and either Seyfried or Coleman or who someone doesn't get it? Yeah, I think it's Amanda Seyfried if anybody gets gets the boot at this point. I, and I, I'm still not even super comfortable saying everybody else is a firm lock no matter what. I think they are likely, but this is the category that I think has the most question marks. Yeah, this is the category that, that has uh, uh, the most upheaval, I would say. I would say the locks, the, the surefire locks for me are Maria Bakalova and Olivia Coleman. Uh, I don't even know if uh, Yu Young Yoon is a, is a lock, but she's certainly uh, projected to be a favorite. And there's still a lot of support and love for Amanda Seyfried in, in Mank. So uh, I think Amanda Seyfried stays, and I think Jodie Foster gets in over Ellen Burst. Okay, that's, that's fine. Okay. I, you know what? I just I have to say, don't yeah. sleep on that Dominique Fishback pick. I, something just, I got a hunch. I, I, listen, if your hunch is right, Jeff, I'm going to give you the biggest virtual high five a computer has ever seen. So Maria Bakalova, Borat's subsequent movie film, Lydia Coleman for The Father, Amanda Seyfried for Mank, Yu Young Yoon for Minari, and Jodie Foster for The Mauritanian. That is the Collider FYC pick. Now on to uh, Best Actor. Uh, we had... Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal, Chadwick Boseman, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Anthony Hopkins for The Father, Delroy Lindo for Defy Bloods, Stephen Yoon for Minari. Are these our five? Any changes here? Just don't know if I'm feeling the Stephen Yen of it all. I don't know. I, uh, I, I worry about Gary Oldman. You worry about Gary Oldman? I worry Sorry. about him, uh, him stealing a nomination from Stephen Yen. 
Harry? My, my list remain the same. I think Stephen Yen makes it. I think he makes it. I think Delroy Lindo is in. Anthony Hopkins is a lock. Chadwick Boseman is a lock. Riz Ahmed is a lock. Uh, I'm sticking with the list that we had. I, I, I dig it. I dig it. Okay. All right. Then finally, best actress, Viola Davis, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a Woman, Frances McDormand for Nomadland, Carrie Mulligan for Promising a Woman, and Andra Day for Billie Holiday. Are we sticking with that list? Any changes? Dark Horse is here. Rosamund Pike maybe over Vanessa Kirby. Maybe. Whoa. Whoa. First of all, if that happens, I would be perfectly happy because, as you know, I'm a big fan of that movie and a big champion for Rosamund Pike anyway in general, but especially for uh, I Care A Lot. Everyone watched it. It was trending because of Rosamund Pike's performance, and she hasn't been nominated since 2014's Gone Girl. So this is a deserving nomination. More people were talking about Rosamund Pike again after her Golden Globe win. Not that it's because the Globes carry that kind of credibility, but it was the attention and the exposure that made people probably go to Netflix to watch I Care A Lot that could make people go, yeah, you know, I think I'm going to vote for Rosamund Pike over Vanessa Kirby. Perry, what do you think of that? I don't like the idea of Rosamund Pike necessarily taking Vanessa Kirby's spot because I think these five that I have as my front runners are all very deserving and I think they should be in the mix, but you know how much I like, I care a lot in her performance in it. So yeah, I'll have some fun with that idea if she winds up being the surprise. But in this particular case, I think these are our five no matter what. And I think the folks that are on the bubble are like way too far on the edge of it to really have any shot of taking one of the nominations. Even even Zendaya who got the SAG nom? I don't think it's going to happen. There's, there's one that I don't think has a wide enough viewership. And I, I mean, I, I think Malcolm and Marie is, uh, I admire that they were able to make the movie during COVID. I appreciated the beauty of it being shot in black and white and all that stuff, but it just felt to me like a pretentious and self-absorbed kind of a movie. It was off-putting. Didn't like it. I would be very curious to see the viewership numbers on that film, Pieces of a Woman, and I Care A Lot, all Netflix. So there are, it's three Netflix people sort of vying for that fifth slot. That's right. That's right. But I do think that uh, for now, for the purposes of this show leading up to the Academy Award nominations next Monday, I do feel very comfortable sticking with the list that we had in which Vanessa Kirby makes our cut for Pieces of a Woman. What do you think? Yeah. Are Are we going with that? Sure. I like the sound of it. All right. Then that's it. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. These are our top picks for the major categories ahead of the Oscar nominations on Monday morning, super early, March 15th. Perry, when are we back with a brand new episode of Collider FYC? It's for Oscar nominations right here on the the Collider YouTube channel. Okay, so we are doing a brand new episode the day of the nominations. And that is what this show is all about. This was very, very exciting to go through these uh, guilds and solidify our nominations here. So ladies and gentlemen, what do you think of our final picks? Agree, disagree, sound off below and be nice and respectful. Let us know what you think of our picks. Anything 
Do you think we should lose and add back in and make sure you compare our notes to the Oscar nominations on Monday, March 15th? And we'll be back that day with a brand new show about those nominations. In the meantime, Perry Nemiroff, where can people find you all over the universe? All over. All over on Collider Ladies Night episodes on this very YouTube channel and then Twitter and Instagram at P. Nemiroff. Uh, Jeff, how about you? I am everywhere and nowhere, but especially on Twitter, Instagram, and Cameo. Okay, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Movie Mance. Catch up with my original content on my YouTube channel, which is Scott Mance. And until the next very big episode of Collider FYC, FYC, see you later. <laughs>